Hello, hello, welcome back to the Lars Resort. Brought to you by Betson. We are properly back in the swing of things now, aren't we? And 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 this is this one goes long, so I'm not going to waffle on too much. I'm going to hop straight into the second part of my big season preview conversation with the very excellent uh, Peter Wilson. Uh, and, and this is when it gets tricky and sticky. You know, my my, my overriding thought is that, God, there are a lot of good teams in this league, uh, the way I look at it now. Uh, there are a couple of teams I ended up sticking maybe a couple of places lower than some of their fans are expecting, uh, even though I don't have a ton of negative things to say about them. They're kind of good teams, good stuff, no notes, but uh, other teams are even better. I think the, uh, the battle for the Champions League spots this season should be absolutely fascinating. And uh, one thing that's being slept on a little bit, I think, is that it's most likely, in all likelihood, England will have five spots in the Champions League for next season. You know, there's a new Champions League format coming in, and two leagues in Europe will have five spots, and it's to do with the coefficient. I'm not 100% on the technicalities. I've been a little bit busy this summer. Uh, I'm hoping someone else writes a next article explaining it for me very, very soon. But as I understand it, the Premier League are very, very likely to get one extra Champions League spot. But, you know, there are more than five very good teams in this league, so that battle should be great. Anyway, yeah, long episode. Let's get right back into the conversation with Peter. All right, here we go. Number 10, who's going to find their way to the top half of the table in 10th place this upcoming season, sir? Yeah, so I've stuck West Ham in 10th. And and actually, the more I think about it and talk about it, I would add West Ham to that sort of list of indistinguishable teams the sort of blah yeah the sort of yeah how much of how much of that has to do with them trying to buy not just harry Maguire but scott mctominay and harry Maguire? i love that moise he's like now he's got the that the declan rise money he's like get mctominay Maguire in <laughs> and the new german sporting director is like ah oh, nine <laughs> we cannot do this <laughs> this is so cheap. but yeah but I definitely have them down as like there's way too much quality in that squad for relegation to be like a thing. But I also don't think they're super upwardly mobile. So they're definitely in that sort of blob along with, with Brentford and Palace. Are you surprised Moyes is still running that thing? No, because he won the... You can't. It was their first trophy in 43 years. You, yeah. you can't just turn around and sack Fair. him. But that, that kind of adds to the awkwardness going into the season, right? Because yeah, I'm no, pretty, it does. I'm pretty convinced they would have fired him if they hadn't won that game. Uh, I was just going to say, what complicates it for West Ham is that now they have to play in Europa League. Yeah, no, for sure, there's that as well. But because they they had two very very good seasons with Moyes, finishing sixth and seventh, that's amazing for West Ham. And then he wanted to develop them, and they wanted to play a bit more football, uh, and that went really badly wrong. And he sort of recovered, got them out of relegation trouble. But everything, I think, was pointing to a sort of fairly amicable, conscious uncoupling in the summer. Like, thank you for your service, Moisey. You know, you've done well, but we're, we're probably going to need to go in a different direction. But then he goes and wins the, the Conference League. And it just kind of leaves the club in this weird spot where you have a manager who I, I don't, this is me speculating, but I don't think he has a very strong mandate. I, I think the club are sort of, they, they must be prepared for thinking this this we're not sure this is the way and and i think we see that in the fact that he you know rumors are he wants mcguire and mctominay and the club is like well no we're not actually going to do that <laughs> which is probably sensible from the club's perspective but it's a very icky and strange situation to have going into the club season 
I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't have a lot of faith that they'll do very well, but I also think, yeah, too much quality to, to get relegated. And we were kind of seeing, you know, of those summer signings, now Skamaka didn't work out at all, has been sold on to Atalanta. Uh, but we did start to see some really good stuff by Paqueta, I thought, in the second half of the season, in, in Europe in particular. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Nayef Aguer, the centre-half they signed, looked, looked really good to me. So they've made some additions that have worked, and they have a lot of money to play with now, with the new recruitment uh, the Tim Steiden, the, the German gentleman in there. Worry a bit about up front, you know, Mikel Antonio starting to look a bit old. Uh, what's happening there? Um We'll see, but then they have money to spend with both uh, Rice and Skamaka heading out the door. So they'll add some people before the transfer window. And yeah, in, in that sort of amorphous blob in the middle of the table, I have West Ham. Who do you have in ninth? So this might be another sharp intake of breath because you know what? I put Brighton in ninth. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I no, need no, to justify it. No, I don't think I, that, I, I have a feeling I know how you're going to justify this. Mm, well, I think you know one of the factors because we talk about it quite a lot. And let me stress, there is a bit of a gap between tenth and ninth in my head. Like when we, we Brighton are definitely one of the teams that, if everything goes right, they could be a little bit thirdly mobile. I, I, I'm more high on them proving me wrong and going higher than any of of Palace, West Ham, and and Brentford. Don't get me wrong. And and I like Brighton for a lot of reasons. The same reason everyone does. Like they played fantastic football last season. They, they had the fourth best XG goal difference in the league. You know, if, if you're one of those who believe that XG is, is everything, I, I don't believe it's everything, but I think it's a very interesting indicator. You know, they, they could have been in Champions League contention and they did so playing really entertaining football. Deserbi is a lot of fun. I really wanted him at Tottenham, to be to be honest. And and they've obviously, Brighton being Brighton, they've signed some really interesting players over the summer. So, so every reason to be excited about the future Really, but since I've put them in ninth, suppose I need to kind of justify that. First of all, without wanting to, I, this is a, one of the stories I enjoyed the most last season. So I really don't want to pour hot, cold water on it. Pour hot water on it, that's the opposite. Pour cold water on it, the wet blanket. But I just looked up, I, I looked up at the league table, and there's, there's a website called, um, uh, there is, I forget what it's called, there is a website where you can very easily arrange the league table according to what date it was you know so you can you can divide it into segments very easily and i sort of made a league table very quickly of of the zerbies brighton what, what were the, actually their league table finish in the games under the Zerbi? and they were actually just 11th for those 32 games right and no, 11th really? sorry they were they were, they were eighth 11th that would have been insane but uh, they were actually just eighth so for all the talk and i've just done it myself of like oh the xg is so good and they play so well. They were just the eighth best team in the league during the 32 games he was in charge. And during that time, they conceded more goals than Leicester, which seems bad. So, so like, this wasn't, like, a flawless thing as much as it was a super impressive feat of coaching, I thought, was going in in the middle of the season and making them play that way and making it fun and largely successful. But, you know, there were seven teams in the league that picked up more points than them in, in that period. They've lost... Levi Colwell, who was brilliant. They've lost Alexis McAllister, who was brilliant. Caicedo could still leave. And I guess the thing you were probably hinting at, they have the Europa League thing. Like yeah. they have to now, they have to do the dreaded Thursday Sunday rotation that everyone seems to hate. That was exactly what I was. Uh, that's the that would be the reason why if they uh, cool off a little bit in the table this season, that would be the argument as to why. So. Yeah. So I don't think they'll crash and burn. 
No. I just think they'll kind of ease off a little bit. And it's just that the, it, there's a lot of good teams in this division as we move up the table now. There, I, there's a lot of teams I, I like and who are doing a lot of good things. So I just think in competition with the other teams around this part of the table, with the extra burden of Europe, with a couple of key components having to be replaced, and with them actually not having gotten more than the eighth most points under the Zerbi so far anyway, as fun as it has been, yeah, some of it's also going to depend on if Casado gets sold. Yeah, no, for sure that will add that will add something. Yeah, okay. Sorry, or subtract something. Said that. No, no. But so this oh. is also in this area. So I'd be delighted if I was wrong about this. If they keep like playing swashbuckling Deserby football and get into the Champions League or something crazy, like that'd be amazing. But you know, I think it won't happen. Okay, so who do you have uh, in good old eighth place? Yeah, so this was another one I went sort of back and forth with a little bit. And we now definitely get to, I'd say, three teams that are pretty much uh, interchangeable in the table. There's not a lot between them, but you have to decide on an order. And and I have stuck Aston Villa in eighth. And, and, mm. and that's kind of a couple of places lower than I think they will hope for, and that maybe a few other people will, will put them. Uh, and, and, and weirdly, I'm going to there's kind of more good things than bad things to say about them, but I'll get to why they're in eighth in a while. But there's like a ton of things I like about them. Like Unai Emery has gone, done really well. Again, they connect, collected the fifth most points in the Premier League after Unai Emery took over. Uh, and he's, it seems to be a really good fit for him. It's, it's a club where he can just kind of do his Unai Emery stuff and people leave him alone to do that. And you don't have like massive big name talents who get annoyed and bored in team meetings and all the things. And people just, they also have enough money to buy him some decent players. So I do think they're a good football team, Aston Villa. I do think they're better than they used to be. I think they're better than a lot of teams in this division. But it is my favorite saying in the whole world, as you know, Peter, which which always comes into it, which is you don't have to outrun the bear, you just have to outrun the other campers. <laughs> so, so the question for Villa, it's not, are they good? That, that's not an interesting question. Yes, they are. I think they're a good team. Are they better than before? Yes, totally. But the question I think that matters, especially given the amount of money they've spent the last few years, is are they good enough to, to, to finish above enough of the other top teams to get a Champions League spot? And there, for me, the answer is still no. Like that, but I do think they are a really well-constructed team with, with quality in, in every part, just defense, midfield, attack. I think they're good players everywhere. And they look. I would expect them to be really solid, to beat a lot of opponents, You know, maybe go far in a cup. But, but I just think when you're comparing to the other teams in this end of the table, I, I can't see that they're better than the, the, the teams they're coming up against. Maybe with one big exception that we're getting to, I would expect, I mean, so if, if a handful of teams, inverted commas, above them, the teams we're about to talk about, they could easily have disastrous seasons where things go totally wrong. And if they do, I would back Villa to be the team to sort of sneak in and exploit that. But, but I think they are a little bit weaker still than the, the next couple of teams on the list here. I'm most interested to see how the Yuri Tillemans edition plays mm, out over the yeah. course of the season. Because I, I, I liked him as so much as a player for Leicester. Uh, just, that's just, that to me screams outstanding uh, purchase. Um, so we'll totally. See how that goes. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Person wanted, wanted him at Tottenham myself, but you know, you, you don't get everything you want. And, and Musa Diaby from Leverkusen, super fast, sort of wide player, some, someone who Emery can get some stuff out of. No, I like them. Like, it's not that I don't like them. It's just, I think there's still a little bit to go compared to the sort of traditional top six uh, clubs plus Newcastle who we're about to, to get to now. 
All right, so uh, who, Lars, is going to inhabit what is formerly known as the Everton Cup? Yeah, Seventh and this is, this is the team for which absolutely effing anything could happen this season, uh, which is Tottenham. Like, I have no idea what happens with this team this season. <laughs> um, for so many reasons. First of all, of course, we don't know what's going to happen with Harry Kane. I personally think... The deal will be done now, but uh, we'll see. Do you want the deal uh, to be done, Lars? Yeah, I've landed on that. I've changed my mind a couple of times about this, as pod listeners will Don't know. Be wishy washy. Yeah. No, yeah, I but but I have just genuinely changed my mind about it. Like, what can I do? Uh, the, the honest truth is, I I did think for a while it's probably better for everyone if he just does one year and then he can go wherever he wants and Tottenham get another year yeah. in helping them. That's kind of the best outcome. But I just think. This is very subjective and just me being a fan more than trying to be analytical. I'm in such a headspace with Tottenham right now that I've kind of acknowledged this is probably not going to be a very good season. Right? This is probably not going to be a great season. Top four is almost completely unrealistic, I think, because there's just so much weird stuff going on. Team looks very unsettled going into the new season. Looking at the back line, that there's no constellation of those defenders that I trust in any shape or, shape or form. Uh, we have the goalkeeping situation. Vicario is kind of untested at this level. Lloris is still there, which I didn't think he would be. Um, you have Ange, who I like a lot, but he's quite ambitious, wants to attack. I'm sort of reconciled with this will be a season where it'll be more like the Tottenham of sort of before before the good, the, the, the very good times where Tottenham, like, are an attacking team who want to play and have fun, but are kind of inconsistent and occasionally a bit bad, but, you know, at least they go out and try to play football. And just after the sort of awful turgidness of of, uh, of Mourinho and Conte, I'm happy to trade a couple of spots in the league for just uh, the expected fun to be a bit higher. Uh, but, but, but it does mean I'm mentally prepared for this being a slightly bad season result-wise. So right. then for me, it'll be easier to think, well, if Kane's going to go, you might as well let him go now if it's going to be a bit rough. And when you get a bit of extra money and you start, it's a, it's a kind of a day zero, year zero moment for the club anyway. Might as well start it uh, without him if he, if he desperately wants to go. But I put them seventh. I'm not convinced they're finishing that high. I mean, I think it, I can definitely see a world in which Tottenham Kane Pull leaves. Chelsea? Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, Tottenham, Kane leaves. There's still a lot of good players in that squad, but it takes Postacoglu some time to get it all working. And compared to Villa, who are much more settled, uh, they, they could drop down. Maybe Brighton do better than I expect. Uh, and suddenly we're sort of hanging around in sort of 10th, uh, 11th place. I, I, and that would, I'm not sure the fan base is prepared for that. Uh, I think I think a lot of Tottenham fans have forgotten what it feels like to lose quite often. There, there are a lot of youngins out there who don't remember the dark days of the 90s. Uh, but, uh, but then who knows, maybe the inspirational ways of, of Daddy Ange uh, will sort of unlock the undoubted potential in many of these players. Uh I would uh, make the argument of all the week one uh, matchups, the Brentford Spurs game is one of the mm. better ones. I, I am yeah. really looking forward to seeing that on Sunday morning American time. Because uh, I'm being sort of a little bit fatalistic about Spurs now. But there is an upside to this, which is they have a yeah. lot of players in that squad who have played very good football either at Tottenham before or somewhere else before. It's just we kind of forget because they were, they were so turgid last season. 
I, I just get frustrated for Spurs fans and that this whole Harry Kane thing gets so drug out for so long that if, in fact, they end up selling him, the window will be so close to being closed. Will they have a plan in place for replacement mm-hmm. player when all that money they've made or players to really improve the squad beyond what it could have been if uh, Kane was still in place? And, the, and that's my frustration with the amount of time this is taking if they end yeah, up selling no, him. Uh, I echo that frustration, but I think and I hope the club is kind of wise enough to know that you cannot replace Harry Kane. So I hope they don't try. Uh, I, I hope they realize that that's like he's no. a unique player and it's more about Ted putting together a team that makes sense. And hey, we have the sort of occasional starting number nine for Brazil in the club. Maybe we should give him a few months as a striker and just kind of see what happens. But it's like, um, but I, I'm not joking about Richarlison. Richarlison is never going to score. It's probably never going to score 25 goals in the season. But he's going to work really hard and press from the front. And they have goals in that team. Maybe maybe yeah, Son can score true. 15 goals. Maybe Madison scores a few goals. Kulusevski can do some stuff. So I don't know. I, I am a weird combination of putting Tottenham quite low in the table. But I'm looking forward to the season in a, in a way I probably didn't think I would be at this point, if that makes sense. Well, approaching an hour into this, we have now gotten to the European spots, as mm. we would say here in Texas. Uh, Lars, at it's numbers... not so bad. Yeah, not I too bad. I thought this was going to be even longer. <laughs> no, we well, that's, that's probably why you employed me to do this, is to try to mm. keep you wrangled, sir. Um, mm. Also because I'm outside and it's getting a bit cold. Uh, <laughs> and, and the pub is closed, so you, you yeah. don't have... Very dark here. <laughs> Refueling going on. At number six, Lars, who is going to end up in a European spot? Yeah, so I have above Tottenham, I've stuck Newcastle. And as I suggested earlier, it's wow. Yeah. It's very tight in my brain. Really, that's the, the Villa Tottenham Newcastle. Again, spill mix them in a glass and spill the glass and you see where it lands is is kind of if I was to handicap this in my brain, very, very tight. Um I think there'll be a slight sort of, um, yeah, a slight step. Um, can we call it growing pains, maybe, for Newcastle? Okay. Because, like, like, medium term, as, as long as the Saudis are happy to, to spend money and they can find ways around FFP and stuff, I'm, I'm sure, you know, sky remains the limit uh, for, <laughs> for, for Newcastle. And, uh, and, you know, if I recall correctly, like, that finished last season, again, if you, if you believe the XG... That that finish last season was entirely entirely justified. Uh, the, I think they were even better than than the XG suggested. They were even better on the XG than the league table suggested. So so there's no sort of falseness to, to that success. But but you have the sort of dual threat now of 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 having to play in Europe and having to adapt to that. And also you know you're upgrading. You know, you know, it's great that you're adding that you're adding Sandro Tonali for a very big transfer fee, by the way. But, but you're starting to to edge out the sort of um, the, the the Sean Longstaffs of this world, the the Dan Burns of this world. You're gradually going to start to shunt those aside. I think last season there did seem to be like an incredible balance there by you know some good lads who worked really hard and some some expensive imports who kind of lifted the level. And and it was a very good amalgamation. I don't know if you read that incredibly funny, um, sort of open letter supposedly written by Alan Scherer in the Athletic, which no. uh, the the prose was eerily similar to a, a writer who is not Alan Scherer, but you know, uh, supposedly from Alan Scherer, sort of listing everything that was great 
about this Newcastle season. Uh, it's it's it was it was quite the thing. I, I, I love that. the I love the athletic. I'm a happy subscriber. They they do so much good stuff, but that that was an odd one. Uh, it's a deeply strange one. But there was a whole paragraph about how great you know these local lads. You know Sean Longstaff. He's, he's, he has his place and his value. But the thing about aiming for the stars and the way Newcastle are and kind of have to is that you do reach a point where those sort of good lads just kind of aren't good enough anymore and you have to replace them with 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 better players and uh, that can be a little bit awkward um i i just think yeah growing pains dealing with europe not sure about like the, the, the Harvey Barnes thing, I don't fully get either. Like he's just one of those players I don't quite understand at, at that level. Really, is that what we're doing? That seems like more of a signing Eddie Howe would make for Bournemouth if he was if he was still there. Maybe I'm being very harsh on Harvey Barnes. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure about the Newcastle thing. I think they're still going to be an absolutely quality team, uh, but I, I have them uh, dropping down uh, a couple of places uh, from is, last year. Uh, I would argue that is the biggest surprise so far in your list. Really? Lar. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised by that one, which now makes me very uh, intrigued as to how your top five uh, are cobbled together, uh, and, and 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 what the and I'm interested when we get into it in what you think the point spread is going to be from first to fifth, and then from like fifth to sixth. So who, Lars, will be uh, hitting number five this season? Well, so the very intelligent and observant listener will know what the last five teams are. And <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and now, since you're very surprised I've got Newcastle in sixth, I kind of want to turn this around. You know, the, the questionnaire becomes the questionee. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing. Because, again, with the bear and the camper uh, conundrum, you know, for Newcastle to finish higher than six, they they're gonna have to beat out a couple of uh, a couple of these teams, one or more of them at least. And uh, which of these powerhouses are you fairly certain, since you were surprised that Newcastle are gonna finish above? Well, I think the obvious one is Chelsea, uh, mm-hmm. because if you're gonna say Chelsea is gonna, I, I'm just gonna guess you're gonna put Chelsea at fifth. Yeah. Well, last season, last season Liverpool was fifth with 67 points. Chelsea mm. finished last season in 12th with 44 points, which means you're suggesting to me that Chelsea is going to uh, produce a 20-plus point improvement from last year to this year. I, I, that's where I think it's a little bit of a stretch, especially considering how solid and good Newcastle are. I'm not saying – I mean, if I was to pick and make predictions, Newcastle in 6th makes sense to me with some distance between them and whoever's in 5th. Uh, but I don't think they're going to finish higher than Newcastle this season. But that's just me. No, that's a it's a fine point, well argued. And uh, let me uh, although let me also let, let me also say mm-hmm. this: if they do end up uh, nabbing Tyler Adams, well, then they may as well just win the whole damn thing. Well, <laughs> let, no, it's it's a good point, well argued. Now, firstly, and I, this, of course, being a Tottenham fan, making a passionate defensive of Chelsea's prospects obviously feels wrong in so many ways. But you know, especially Pochettino's Chelsea, the 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 the, the, the indignity of it. But no. The reason I like Chelsea to, to finish above Newcastle, to finish above Tottenham, to, to, to have a massive swing in, in what they're doing is that firstly, the points total from last season is a little bit false because this is a team that clearly picked it in. Like the, the, It was a total mess. The, the, everyone couldn't fit in the dressing room. Uh, Harry, literally. I call it, yeah, literally. Graham Potter turned out sadly to be out of his depth, like him, all of that, but you know, he couldn't, couldn't get a handle of it. 
and then like Frank Lampard comes in and the player like what is happening here and it just kind of it was a total mess from there on in so I think that, that that's a slow as bad as they were I think that is a slightly artificially uh, low points total and if you're talking about having a, a major swing in a short space of time I mean I may present to you Arsenal who the season before last uh, finished uh, fifth with 69 points and last season finished second with 84. So the sort of 15 point swing has okay. has uh, has already been done. Mm. And I think there are comparisons. I think there are comparisons to be drawn between the two. Now, they're obviously very different in terms of how they've assembled their squads. <laughs> Arsenal are not the result of some kind of insane shopping spree. Uh, by a, by a man who sort of maybe thought this would be a little bit easier than it turned out to be. Uh, God bless you, Todd Bowley. Uh, but the end result, and this is something good friend of the pod, uh, Tor Christian Carlson, kind of very quietly says quite often, is like, if you look at this Chelsea squad, as much as a, of a mess as it is, there are some really good players there. Like, oh, 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 that, that is the sort of silver lining of the disastrous last season for Chelsea fans is that in this sort of mad shopping spree, and he put it together a squad that was bloated and didn't work, blah, blah, blah. The raw material that's been brought into the club is super exciting. So so like Arsenal last summer, I think this is a group of very young players who all all you really need is, is sort of two or three of those young players to have the kind of breakout season that we know they're they're most likely capable, know they're, we think they're capable of. And then suddenly this team is is looking formidable. And there's also a few other players who are like like Raheem Sterling. There's a great footballer in Raheem Sterling. He just dropped off the map completely last season. A few others like that. Now, yeah, there's some stuff that probably should happen to that squad still. I mean, I know talking about more transfers to Chelsea seems insane, but it still kind of feels that way. Um, there's so many players there who have potential to be absolutely brilliant. And I don't think it'll necessarily click straight away. But, but, but I think... The, the, well, I think and hope that they will actually give Pochettino some time to work, and, and if he can find the right combination of, of of names on the team sheet and find a system that suits them, there's so much potential in this Chelsea team, and I think the fact that they don't have to worry about Europe at all is is a bit of a, an advantage in the middle of all of this. So I'm kind of backing. Again, we talked about the uh, uh, amorphous sort of mid-table blob. I, I would probably say again. Maybe I'm being my I'm being talked out of it by you, but yeah, this sort of Aston Villa, Tottenham, Newcastle. I don't think Chelsea are miles ahead of those, mm -hmm. but I think but I think you could have a breakout season from a couple of these youngins, and and okay. and Chelsea could could have a big big improvement on last season. So that's who you have at number five. So now we're in the top four. Mm -hmm. I think we all know who the last four are. Yeah. And oh, the order is not completely obvious, but probably the first one here. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to shock anyone with the identity of the play, the team I have put forth, okay. uh, Peter. This is uh, probably the one where I'm the most, not, not that I'm not ever interested in your input, but I am probably the most interested in what you think of me putting Manchester United forth. I don't think that's unreasonable. I, I, I think the Ten Hag experiment is still very much underway. And um, I no, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. I, I would be fine with it ending up as a Manchester United fan. And yes, for those who aren't aware, I'm the cliche American Manchester United fan. Um, I, that wouldn't kill me if they ended up fourth. It wouldn't surprise me if they end up doing better than that. But uh, this is still very much a work in progress. 
That's what I'm thinking. But I think they will make progress. I think we'll see a slightly better Manchester United uh, yeah. team this time around. I, I think adding Onana in goal is a big deal because I think having a goalkeeper who's, who's comfortable and competent with his feet will matter a lot to Ten Hag. Uh, I, I, I thought he showed admirable pragmatism. Pragmatism? Pragmatism. Pragmatism last season uh in that he he had to deal with so much nonsense like he, he came in and like ronaldo was there and you had captain harry Maguire. that was a whole thing uh you had a goalkeeper who can't use his legs like there was just the, the conditions were not there for ten hag to do what ten hag wants to do that was very evident and he yeah. did a super job in adapting and in, in getting a champions league spot out of it anyway he, he's so close to melding this into a ten a true ten hog team that I it it's 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 kind of so new in different spots that I just think it's going to take a little bit of time to bet in, mm -hmm. um, and I do think they benefited last season from other clubs, just you know Liverpool and Chelsea in particular, and and Spurs mm -hmm. all having pretty mm -hmm. crummy seasons. It just yeah. kind of elevated them to third, and I anticipate that it'll be a far more difficult task. Um, uh, from those clubs getting involved and along with the fact that there's just so many new faces and key positions for them this year. Um, but I, but by the way, I love all the additions to the club. If they end up signing Amrabat, I think that's a fa another fantastic mm. uh, addition that I would love to see them do. So I, I'm hopeful for this season, but uh, fourth wouldn't surprise me. I know for for cliched American Man United fans, you are aggressively sensible. I have to say, <laughs> um, no, that's that's really kind of taken taken my thoughts out of my brain and put them into the internet. I think we will see the first season. I think Van Gaal did Van Gaal. Uh, first season, I think Eric Ten Hag did fantastically well to survive. Did fantastically yeah, well to get through all those really complicated situations that he had to deal with. And Remember how bad it season. was in the earliest days of the season when they were getting taunted by Brentford and yeah, whoever it was. And, just, and then again, like maneuvering Cristiano Ronaldo out of a out of the club is not an easy thing to do, but it absolutely had to be done. You know, showing strength and and benching Maguire is not a thing every coach in the world would have done and been able to handle. So there was a lot of stuff like that, and and he did really well to survive the season and yeah. take them back to the Champions League. And I think in terms of what's happening on the pitch. I believe this is the season where we will see United become more and more what um, Eric Ten Hag team should look like. And I think they'll be better in that sense. And I wouldn't be surprised if they take more points in the end than they did last season. I just think they're still a little bit behind uh, the, the next couple of teams on the list here. All right. So you have United in fourth. Does that mean Klopp is back all the way up to third place? It, it does mean that. I, have, uh, I haven't gone gone full full rogue <laughs> yeah i think arsenal fans would probably turn up outside my house and you know throw burn if throw molotov cocktails into their but no i honestly do think i think that the liverpool rebuild should kind of see them back in contention maybe wow. near the top of the table for a while at least um you know without without spoiling anything i, mean, I do think the city will still win it because city remain manchester city but I think that the, the Liverpool rebuild, there's enough interesting stuff going on that I think we don't, I don't think I don't think we'll see them messing around in mid-table too much this season. And we shouldn't forget, for everything that went wrong last season, they were still like they had the third highest XG produced going forward in the division. So like in an attacking sense, the team was still good. Uh, they scored the third and the highest number of goals. So even in the season where a lot of things went wrong, they were still an elite sort of attacking unit. Now they've sort of reshaped uh, their midfield. Um, 
I guess some more transfer stuff has to happen there. I don't think like both Fabinho and Henderson leaving. I don't think that was the plan. Uh, so, so we're kind of there's probably more stuff to come there. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that's kind of thrown a bit of a spanner in the works. But but that front line that they have is 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 looking pretty scary to me. I think that that that's 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 pretty promising. I think Soboslai is a really good player. Comes from the sort of he's a technical player, but he does come from the sort of Red Bull school of things. So he should adapt uh, to 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 life uh, with, with Jurgen Klopp. We'll see. Excited to see if they go all in on the sort of uh, uh, on the a Trent Alexander-Arnold hybrid sort of type of role to get him more involved centrally. Uh, that that should be pretty cool. No, it's a team I'm excited about seeing. It's, there is uncertainty there, of course, with the way things have worked out with the midfield. That's one of the reasons I don't have them even higher. But the sort of the, the, the attacking potential of this team is is pretty terrifying to me, and and I just kind of have a lot of belief in Jurgen Klopp. Well, there's good reason to have that. The McAllister edition is the one that mm-hmm. I'm most interested in watching, just to see how he translates to a completely different team from being kind of the guy at Brighton to fitting in at Liverpool, especially with all the other midfield uh, things. It would it would not surprise me to see Liverpool sputter a little bit early and then really catch fire as the season kind of gets towards uh, the you know the the second mm, quarter of the season that's, and, and really take off from there. That's not a bad shout, and I do think. With both Henderson and Fabinho going, like in my mind, I figured they'd let one of them go. Letting both of them go, yeah, yeah. One of them, Henderson was clearly like on the way down, and Fabinho had lost his way, and maybe he would have found it again. Maybe not. Who knows? With both of them going, you definitely need some more punch in that midfield. And as much as I like Romeo Lavia, picking him as the guy is a big bet to take on a very young guy. So I would, I would kind of expect them to, to go even bigger on that midfield purchase now. We kind of see what happens in the last couple of weeks of the window. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm rating them a little bit too highly. I just think that attack has so much going for them. And if they can figure out what happens behind them, you know, I, I, have, them, I have them above Manchester United. Uh, I do. But uh, too much uncertainty, I think, for them to, 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 to challenge City. Well, assuming they stick with three up top, uh, that that's five guys that are just um, unbelievable, uh, uh, an, an unbelievable assortment of talent of those five guys for three positions and their ability to just kind of plug and play depending on who's available or in form at any moment is going to make them very dangerous. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Totally, totally. All right, so uh, it sounds like you spoiled it. Uh, I don't know why you did that, um, yeah. but because- I guess maybe... Because it was too obvious, Lars. Is that what you were going to say? I, I just think it is. It, uh, so Arsenal it, second, Man City first. You just think yeah. it's going to? Can you at least uh, 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 at least tease us by telling us how many point difference it's going to be between the two? I don't think it'll be very close, and that's not a dig at Arsenal. I just think is it more or remember. less than the five points of last season? Similar, but more likely more than less. I would say. Really? Wow. Uh, and again, yeah, I just think. It'd be fun to be wrong about this. Again, saying through gritted teeth as a Tottenham enthusiast. Oh, wow. But, um, That's a bummer. The, the big question is, the big question is, because Arsenal were magnificent in the first half of last season. Truly, truly outstanding. And, and in terms of the results, but also the underlying numbers to back it up. And then they were kind of a little bit not great in the second half of the season. 
in a way that I really should have picked up on. I think I was too like psychologically worried about <laughs> Arsenal actually winning the league and what that would mean for my for my sort of online well being. <laughs> you were worried about your book. Uh, no, no, that I never worried about. I was very oh, confident. Okay. I, oh, my, 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 my take on that. I thought Arsenal were going to win the league and City would take the Champions League. It was just an added bonus. Yeah, no, get, I think getting that, all, yeah. get, get that. That was my sort of take around uh, March. And everybody would have been happy if that's how it turned out. Exactly right. But then Arsenal, but they had already then the performances. If you look at like XG, the performances were already a little bit worrying back then. I just missed it completely. Uh, and and that second half version of Arsenal were were really quite a lot further behind than than some of the talk and some of the narrative would suggest. But and I I, I wonder if there were. It just felt like a like you said it was a big swing. They have made interesting signings. I really like. I mean, Declan Rice is fantastic, and uh, he will add dynamism to that midfield. I have a real soft spot for Kai Havertz, as as listeners to the podcast will know. Uh, Jurian Timber, I thought looked really good, and the Community Shield uh, should be a fine addition. Like no no slight on them at all. It's just the city are just so good, and and I think it's it's almost part of a wider conversation about Man City and their ownership and and everything. But like. They are at a level city, and they're regularly putting up like points totals that are not normal that we're, we're not used to seeing in this country, and and it, it turns out if you take almost infinite wealth and you give the sort of the defining coaching mind of his generation a complete sort of carte blanche to do whatever he wants, and and you don't have too much intrigue around him and nonsense that he would have had to deal with at, at other big clubs, and you just kind of let him get on with this job. You create an, an almost unstoppable force. Right? It's five titles in six seasons now. They're incredible, <laughs> and and it's not really a slight on Arsenal to say that I don't think they can beat them. I think this Arsenal team would be would probably win the league in in most other eras of the Premier League. It's it's just City are doing something that's just different, and maybe it would be good for the again. It's another one like I'm. I'm not going to go so far as to say I hope I'm wrong. Obviously, because I'm I'm a Tottenham person after all, but. It would be very good for the league if I was wrong. If we could have someone not named Man City winning the title, but I, I just don't see it. I, I, I think it'll be hard for Arsenal to repeat it. Very nice for them that they got that win in the Community Shield. I think it was. Oh man! Pe- pe- people discuss whether the Community Shield matters or not. I, I think it. It's. I think the competition itself doesn't matter at all. But I think if you're in Arsenal's position, it mattered to get that one over Man City and have that nice experience and lift a bucket and have some fun in London. I think that it wasn't it's really not a bucket, it's more of a plate. But um yeah, no. I just think hanging with Man City is just too difficult, even if they have had a few departures and, and stuff like this. And this gets kind of reflected in the betting markets. I mean you get if you if you pick Arsenal to win the league, it will return your stake sixfold. I'm wait, say that again? Yeah, it's a six. A six point zero is the odds on Arsenal winning the league with bets on. So if you it's put that, um, that tall, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! I I would have uh, you threw me for a loop there. I would. I'm, su- yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, surprised. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they're that. Yeah, you're also not used to operating in decimal odds. I have to say, their listener, because they do it. They yeah. have a very funky odds format over in the U.S. that I could never figure out. Well, but yeah, you're, the, you, you, you're, you're the guy that taught me that in your country they use the letter E as a as a school grade. So I think we know. all learned something in that yeah. series of podcasts. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the the betting market have it as a very very clear a city being very clear favorites. 
six times your stake if you if you go for Arsenal, nine times your stake if you go for Liverpool, twelve for United, thirteen for Chelsea. Um, so that's not close. One point seventy five times your stake is returned if you if you go for Man City. So it's not it's not close at all according to the the, the odds compilers. They're not always right, but they're not often that wrong. I just and that's and I just want to stress that's not a dig at Arsenal at all. It's just an acknowledgement that I just don't think anyone can, can handle City, and I kind of hope I'm wrong about it. Even if it has to be Arsenal, even with the signings they've made, I think they're still second best in this division. Hmm. Wow. But that's a hell of a place to be if you go three or four years back in time and see where Arsenal were then. So it's 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 not bad in that regard. It's just it's City are just. It's just something else what they're doing. Uh, I, I, so when they play each other twice, do you think it's it, they split? Well, and, and what do you mean in the sense that they when, they when they play each other home and away in the league, mm-hmm. will they split those games, Arsenal and City? They might. I okay. think I would agree that the City thing is more about their in their ability to to sort of get it done in the teams where they have to get it done. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, because because they've had a couple of, you know, not insignificant departures. We might have another season where they mess about a little bit in the first half of the season, Manchester City. So, so depending on how many points they actually drop, that could open up something. Maybe they'll need a new rivals. set of allegate maybe they'll need a new set of allegations and charges to power their second half <laughs> of the season. Really- I mean, that's a huge sort of unknown in the middle of all of this. I mean, that's going to have to get resolved at some point and what that effect has on the club. Like, I, I haven't even entered that into the calculations because it's just completely unknowable. Yeah. But like last, it, it's like, it sounds bizarre to say, but 89 points last season. I mean, they've been higher than that before, obviously. Um, out of 38 games, they lost uh, five and drew five. So they weren't flawless in that regard, but it's just, it's the consistency is ridiculous. And we saw... In the second half of the season, when Guardiola kind of solved the tactical conundrum, he just went off and just just wouldn't stop winning games. It's, you know, it is pretty remarkable. It's pretty remarkable. And I don't, yeah, Guardiola coming in there, brilliant defender as well, really, really good ball player, should fit in beautifully. Interesting how Guardiola has really sort of embraced the center half after shunning them. For so long in his career and kind of wanting to play all midfielders everywhere, he now seems obsessed with having like a ton of really good ball playing center halves available because turns out you can just stick him in midfield if you want to, and that seems to work. <laughs> um Pavasic, I think will will be a sort of handy addition to the squad. Um I just even if there's a couple of changeovers and and and, and Gundogan was, was will be a miss. Yeah, don't don't yeah. get me wrong. Riyad Mahrez I thought was very useful. I remember seeing one I forget who, like, quoting tweets whose authors I can't remember is kind of bad, but one of the sort of serious sports journalists said something about, well, you know, it's not a huge miss for City to miss Mares because he never fully established himself as first choice. And I was like, dude, that was the whole point. Like, he was a very useful guy who could come in and, and come off the bench and play some games and still do a job, and, and you kind of need that. And uh, they'll miss him for sure. I just think... The combination of the Guardiola thing and and the sort of unstoppable Viking up front, uh, and this new tactical system that seems to work really well, I don't see anyone getting past City, and and that will be the last entry into my I kind of hope I'm wrong about this uh, genre. There have been a few of them in this episode, but I do have City winning. 
That's a bummer, Lars. I, that's a real letdown as an ending of this prediction. Ah, man, I was hoping you'd pull something magical out of your hat. Yeah. Uh, for Lute, a Luton for the Champions League. Well, I, I thought Luton to stay okay. up was pretty rogue for me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a very sort of little bit dour in my predictions. Can we do... So the the very excellent Karl Anka of the Athletic. I've, I don't know if he does it every year, but he does occasionally do like the the the, the hot take amnesty thing. Like, can you a thread on Twitter? Where you can just kind of throw out any old stuff that's a little <laughs> bit, little bit out there, like stuff that you think might happen, but you wouldn't want to stake your reputation on it in the sense of like saying you actually think it'll happen. But stuff that's a little bit out there that you you believe in. Do you have any? I mean, you're probably better at that than I am. Do you have any completely rogue takes for me? Uh man, you put me on the spot. Let me think of one off the top of my head. Uh, how about Deserby gets in an actual physical altercation with somebody before? I mean, I don't think over? that's. I mean, this is my version of you not being impressed with my Luton shout. Oh really? Okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> that could be a sort of either or. I don't know if Betson would actually do that because it, it, I feel like it it almost encourages physical violence in a way that obviously we <laughs> we can't have. But we could have a sort of press. What's more likely, Luton uh, staying up or Deserby getting into a fistfight with someone? I think we're close to evens there on, on the okay. pricing. Hmm. I've disappointed you. I'll have to come up with a little something a little bit more wacky. Uh, man, I I don't know, Lars. That's a tough one off the top of my head. Um, I just think this whole season is going to be way tighter and more compressed for whatever. Oh, I reason. hope you're right. That'd be cool. I I, I do. I really hope so. Um, I do, I, you know, I, I just, I would anticipate, I am not, I, while I think it, your prediction for Chelsea making that massive swing back uh, mm. is is a, a bit of a leap, I, I, I do think last year was an aberration for them, uh, and, I do, and I really do think the, the tightness between 6th or 7th all the way to the top is going to be a lot tighter than it was last year. And last year, you know, for a period of time, we were all kind of very interested and, and very confused how that, uh, that was. We were, you know, how 1 and 2 was going to play out was one story, and then 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 was a completely different battle, and I, and I just think that is going to be a continuation for this, for this upcoming season. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I might as well. I mean, the top end of my table, the way I predicted, could have been titled the sort of the Logan Roy money wins end of it, because I definitely <laughs> have predicted. I have predicted a, the the return of the wealth <laughs> to the sort of top end of the of the table. But that's kind of one of my maxims that I kind of stick to hmm. is that in the long run money in football has a kind of gravity to it or actually the opposite it has anti anti-gravity is that what is the opposite of gravity <laughs> but if money if you have it it will eventually lift you in the table All almost right. no matter how badly run the club is like if you have the money you will gradually drift upwards if you don't have it you will kind of fall away no matter how well you do all right i got one for you i got one here we go since you are all about the bets and, and placing bets, what is the over and under, set the over and under on the number of managers Todd Bowley hires this season for Chelsea? That, well, that would, of course, completely like flambe my Chelsea pick. To, oh, Chelsea to at least do do well again if if Todd Bowley like, goes insane and sacks Pochettino. I mean, that, that Maybe would... Maybe not. That would be fully ridiculous. It worked he, like, pretty well for Brighton last year. Maybe, maybe that's what he needs to do. He needs to get rid of Pochettino or bring the Serbian. Let's get another Brighton manager. 
is it what is is the is the over and under one is it two is it zero no, he did. Of course, he shouldn't sack Pochettino. Like when you've when well, you've made a big goes... effort and you brought. It's Todd Bowley. Yeah, but he's apparently stepped away. I read in Bloomberg that he's only spending like twenty five percent of his time at on Chelsea now. He's well. I'd be. I don't know. It would not shock me to find out that Pochettino doesn't make the season. That and that you know Bowley goes on some sort of weird tangent and just starts pulling triggers but then that would also make no sense whatsoever so maybe I'm completely out of my mind you asked me for something wacky Lars and so I came yeah, up with yeah, something yeah yeah no that, that that was pretty wacky I don't that sorry I, I I brought too much judgment into the wacky zone that that's on me that's on <laughs> yeah. me do we have I, the I wacky think zone is a safe zone Lars you're supposed okay. to know <laughs> that's I introduced the wacky zone, and then I brought the first rule. I broke the first rule of wacky rule zone. Of, you broke the first, rule of wacky zone. First rule of wacky zone: there should be no judgment in the wacky zone. <laughs> right, let's let's have a let's continue on to the wacky zone then, because okay, for the top scorer thing, okay. in terms of predicting top scorers, the trouble with this is that it's, it's you'd think it would be Erling Holland, but let's say something weird happens. Maybe like heavens forbid, there's an injury or something. Oh, uh, you know, my wacky zone prediction for top scorer is um, I got to come up with somebody reasonable yet not completely. I mean, somebody wacky, but not in the in the realm of possibility. I'm gonna I have, name... a, I have a strong feeling that you're gonna test my commitment to the no judgment in the wacky zone in a couple of seconds. Darren Nunez. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I th I, I, oh. <laughs> See, that was not very judgy. I, I think said, of all the long shots. I could have said Kai Havertz. You could have said Kai Havertz. Then I think they would have again, as <laughs> much as I like him. Zone <laughs> yeah, I would have broken the wacky zone again. Um, I think it's, it's going to be Holland again, isn't it? It has to be, right? Yeah, I should I should have put some more. Uh, I should I mean, have put some. More. You're gonna have a book out about the guy, Lars. You need him to be the top scorer. Yeah, I do, I do. But I mean, fortunately for me, he does seem to oblige. Okay, let's do a wacky zone thing. Okay, uh, Kai Havertz as Arsenal's top scorer. Are we gonna go full on the Kai Havertz train? <laughs> I just think after he was kind of humiliated for for missing the shots and the skills challenge in MLS. Yeah, I'm really rooting for the guy now because I thought that was just really crummy by all the websites that did that. Yeah, uh, that's really... have, you, have you shared that on your pod? That that that. Yeah, I've, I've, I have complained about it already, and I can actually reveal to you that that's actually been on my mind this summer. I even as I've been writing a book, and it's really because it was such an, it was such a perfect example of why the modern mass media are total shits, basically, <laughs> because. <laughs> <laughs> it's just some because, clowny American pastime gimmick thing, and the poor guy yeah. just uh, a, doesn't do well in it, and everybody dogs yeah, on him. It was like a fun gimmick in a preseason friendly, right? And and it wasn't even the fact that he just did, but he actually did well in the other skills challenge. He did really yes. well. I actually watched some of it. The sort of lobbing the balls into the things. He was oh, amazing yeah. at that. Ski ball, so like it was, ski ball, yeah. Yeah, so it was a perfect thing. He had one day he did really well. He did one day he did very badly. Guess which one they made headlines about, right? <laughs> well, it was it was backed up by the fact that he was the first player in MLS All-Star history to have not converted one yeah. volley in that particular competition. I mean, that is suboptimal. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I wonder if the websites at least took the time to run through and find some wacky examples. Uh, but actually, you can oh, you can seven and a half times your stake by, from Kai Havertz being the Arsenal top scorer. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think that uh, being someone not named Gabriel Jesus is an interesting shout because he he is an inconsistent finisher, as we know. 
All right, and your prediction for player of the year? Well, it's Erling Holland, obviously. Okay, all right. He'll you're selling a book the, again. The, uh, the ice troll cometh. You've gone full James Wilson on me, sir. Oh, I, oh, there, oh, there'll be a lot of that. So don't, don't you worry. I'm gonna, I've actually named. Um, I've named my fantasy team uh, by my book. <laughs> That's awesome. That I was great. gonna. Yeah, I was going to say, like, buy my book, comma, it's good, but there wasn't enough letters. It doesn't, buy my space. book. Yeah, buy my book, it's go. I could say that doesn't work. Buy my book, it's okay. That doesn't seem to transfer the message that I want to project. So, no, my fantasy team this season is just named buy my book. All right, so, so to try to keep this under an hour and a half, Lars, may I end this particular episode asking you if you have seen what is now qualified as a candidate for the greatest moment in footballing shithousery ever that took place just a couple of nights ago. Probably not. All right. So I told you earlier at the beginning of this, uh, MLS is participating in this thing called the Leagues Cup. Mm -hmm. And that is a, uh, a cooperation between MLS and the Mexican top flight La Liga of all their teams playing in a tournament. Right. So Tigres has a goalkeeper. I think he's Argentinian named Guz, Guzman. And he's mm-hmm. a very, very kind of Emmy Martinez, uh, a flamboyant kind of guy. Maybe even more flamboyant than Emmy Martinez. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in when their game against Vancouver went to penalties the other night, uh, while the first uh, taker stood got up to take the first penalty kick, Guzman stood on the on the touchline, under the you know, in the frame, and began to do pantomime, like oh. the mime stuck in a glass box. <laughs> what? Yes, trying to distract the shot taker as they were uh, concentrating to take the kick. He's doing that. Excellent, and excellent. That was that's not it though, Lars. That wasn't even the greatest moment. On the start. second kick. He began to point to his belly like he wasn't feeling. I can't believe you haven't seen this footage yet. He began to uh, like grab it and and kind of uh, grab at his gut like he wasn't feeling well. And he asked the the referee to give him a second. Standing on the goal line, then bent over at the waist and proceeded to put his hands to his mouth and began to pull an endless stream of paper from his mouth like a magician. And this went on for a good, like he's vomiting a string of paper from his mouth, like a magic trick. On the goal line during penalty kicks, and goes, proceeds to do this vomiting of paper for about 15 seconds. Collects all the paper from the ground, tosses it off to the side, goes back to the line, raises his hand and says, I'm feeling much better now, and proceeds to save the taker's next kick. That to me was the greatest moment in football shithousery I've ever seen. No, that's spectacular. I think that the league's cup is yeah. Again, um, in a normal summer, I would have been all across that. I would have watched a uh, completely unreasonable amount of league's cup this summer. But it's not it been a, an entirely been, normal summer. It has not been very popular here in the United States. But some of the is most am- no, no, it just hasn't been. I mean, other than the games Messi's playing in, the attendances and. Uh, large, uh, a large amount of attention has been very, very low. Uh, but some of the stuff that have happened in League's Cup has been uh, just, uh, just insane, uh, crazy stuffs happened in them. Uh, so uh, there's a whole list of stuff I could tell you about, but that is my favorite one: is the goalkeeper pretending to vomit paper like a magician. 
before. It's amazing. Kick. I want to. I want to see more of that in the Premier League. I think that'd be very, very special. I think. I think maybe that's harder to do if you're Jordan Pickford and you have like uh, a slightly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not going to do it. The, the, the tiny dinosaur arm things. I mean, they're not actually that small, the arms, but maybe that makes it harder to do that. Do you know? Anyway, I feel like we've spent, um, I, it's my fault because I just brought us back to I probably spent more time on the League's Cup than I fully anticipated. Yeah, sorry, this, uh, everybody, for this... some weirdo what? niche Ameri North American uh, football tournament. But I, I'm very glad you were here uh, to, to guide you. me through. Uh, I, I thought it was very, very appropriate since it's, it's only recently, it seems, that you were there to skewer my very bad predictions. Now you were here to help me make some new ones and, and, and kind of try to talk sense into me about some of the things. I really enjoyed your input. And uh, I, I guess the challenge for the listener is... What do you think should be in the wacky zone? Can we can we have some wacky zone <laughs> predictions under the I would love that. <laughs> yeah, the wacky zone. No judgment in the wacky zone, except, if, you know, when I can't help myself. If you will share those entries with me, Lars, I'll read them on our radio show because I would love uh, some European-based wacky zone predictions of the upcoming Premier League season. Okay. Yes, absolutely. All Thanks right, for... we, we also, but I mean, also some of we've got some good, so quite a few P ones listening to to this pod now. I think who have who yeah. have come over. So I mean, your your entries to the wacky zone also welcome. We're not Euro snobs <laughs> on here. That would that would be a weird stance for us to adopt. <laughs> no Euro snobs in this place. Uh, thanks, Lars. It's, man, I've missed you all summer. I'm super proud of you and your book. I'm looking forward to uh, getting uh, to buying a copy of it. And we have been encouraging all of our listeners to support you because oh, I think it's a huge you. accomplishment. Well, you haven't read it yet, obviously, but not a, um, I'm. You won't um, disappoint me, Lars. I, I'm. I am. I will permit myself to say I am. I am a little bit proud that I have written a book that feels like a ferociously grown-up thing to do, and not like me at all. And uh, yeah, there, there was that moment um, months and months ago, of course, when you sort of sit down and you open a Word document and you just think, well, this is going to turn into like seventy, eighty thousand words. <laughs> How exactly it's going to happen? Like this is a very, very strange feeling. Uh, but we got there. We got there in the end, and and I am looking forward to you guys. Uh, you guys reading it. Have you uh, gone through the process of picking out the photograph uh, that will be posted on the back or on the flap? We're 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 going to do that very soon. Actually, yeah, we're oh, in the okay. sort of magical. We're in the magical editing process at the moment because uh, me, me being me, the first script I handed in was a, a little bit over the, the length we were going for. So we might have to trim down some bits, but uh, we'll we'll see what we do. All right, we'll do something better than all these pictures I'm seeing from Manchester United of Rasmus Hoyland, who looks like a 1970s high school yearbook picture. Uh, if you haven't seen those lately, those are some weird. Photos I haven't. Are you not happy with how he's being presented? Well, he just—he's got that kind of winged haircut. It's very 70s kind of hairstyle, and the, the photos that United have been putting out of him uh, just scream yearbook photo to me. It's kind yeah. of strange. The thing I really want is to, with the pictures, we have to show just the unbelievable physical transformation of the guy. Like uh, from, if you just look at a photo of him, the the last sort of the first couple of games he played for Bruno, and then compare it to when he went to Molde and then later on, especially at Dortmund, like it's, it's remarkable what he's done to his body. And uh, yeah, that is something we address in the book, as you can imagine. And, I bet. Uh, yeah, yeah it would be look... good. Be good to have some photos on that. All right. Very good. Lars, thanks for having me, man. It's always great to talk uh, football with you, my friend. Great to talk to you. Uh, and uh, amazingly, the landlord has not. I mean, I think the landlord lives above the pub. Kind of surprised he hasn't come down to to tell me off. But uh, yeah, the, 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 the al fresco 
uh, episode of the Lars Resort appears to have been successfully recorded. Why don't you just thank you very much, Peter? Why don't you just stay there for the night? Get up a couple hours from now and have breakfast and coffee there. It's gonna it's gonna be very cold here soon. I think the the, the chill has set in. It's gotta gotta keep the dog company back in the cottage. All right. Bye, Lars. Bye, Peter. All right. See, I enjoyed that. I yeah, listening back to it, editing it. Thought that was decent. Love the idea of the wacky zone. Uh, though I did spring it on poor Peter, which is no warning at all. So hopefully you guys, now that you've listened to this, you can let it sort of uh, percolate in your minds a little bit. What what are your own sort of wacky zone predictions? Let's let's have him on 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 the Twitter, which I'm going to still call it. Let's have him in, uh, in the replies there. And, and and not just your team to finish higher than people think. That's like all fans think that deep down, right? Let's let's be on it. But it's very hard to predict this season. Am I listening back to it? Am I maybe sleeping on on Liverpool's defensive woes? You know, having both their sort of defensive midfielders leave, and I'm not quite sure who comes in anymore. I mean, maybe that's a little. Maybe I'm a bit blinded by just how scary that attack looks. Am I being too harsh on Newcastle? Maybe. I mean, their XG last season was very good, after all. Just I'm not really. I don't fully trust the whole Eddie Howe thing just yet. I don't love their signings. So mm, we'll see. It's difficult. Like I said, I think it's very, very tight in that segment of of the table. Anyway, I'm, I'm aiming to do one more pod before it all kicks off. A much shorter one, don't worry. But I'd like to have it just a look at a few sort of season bets for the league before it all kicks off. I always think that's a fun little thing to do. So I'll see if I can find a time to do that before it all kicks off on Friday. And of course, uh, in time for you guys to actually listen to it before it all kicks off on, on Friday. Oh my God, Friday? Can't believe it's that soon. Absolutely crazy. It has flown, flown by. But uh, but this is where we are, everyone. The Premier League season is nearly upon us. And uh, yeah, this is, in, in, a, in a way, as far as the predictions go, this is the best time, right? Because none of them have been proven wrong yet. And boy, will they, because that's just how it goes. But, but thanks for listening to this. Uh, great to be back in the swing of things. I am starting to really look forward to the new season now uh, rather than just freaking out about how quickly it has arrived and uh, yeah let's go let's go see you later